Welcome back, everybody. This is the Black Wash Podcast. I'm your favorite host, Larry Sampson, with my co-host, Destiny Johnson. And before we get into the nitty-gritty of this topic today, first let me just say, because for those of you who don't know, we can see each other right now. The wings that you got right now on your plate look good. And I just want to know, did you go to Buffalo Wild Wings? Did you go to Wingstop? Where did you go to get them wings? Because them wings look like they winging. These wings came out of Destiny's kitchen, okay? I literally throw down. Like, I can cook my ass off right now. I really can. And well, well, just, just go to a quick step-by-step step for giving, people real quick before we get into the life, okay? I am giving life. <laughs> a full-blown housewife, all right? I made some fried wings, and Larry's so jealous tonight that he can't have any, and he's in Vegas, and I'm in California. But enough of that, people. I will share my recipes if you follow me on TikTok, actually, at Des Your Attorney. But anyway, to get to the nitty gritty, I want to get some engagement from you guys before we get into the topic this week about how do you like our new Mondays? New year, new day. Give us some feedback. Let us know. And I hope that everybody is having a fresh start to the new year. But now we're going to talk about something that we've talked about every year for the past 12 years is guns and school. When will it expire? Huh, Larry? No, that, that's a good question. And it's crazy that we're bringing in the 2023 the way that we often brought in the 2022. And that's talking about gun violence. And now when we say about gun violence, those of you who are original gangsters of the show know that we talked about our cousin, you know, being involved. And when I say involved, of course, she wasn't, you know, complicit in any part of, you know, criminality, but she was going to school like any other day. And then her school got shot up. And we talked about the, you know, the emotions that she went through. And, you know, as unfortunate as it is, I think the better human part of you is just hoping like, hey, this is going to be outlier. We won't have to talk about this again and we can move on. And to be honest with you, and I don't want to say this to be, you know, uh, to, to be as insensitive, but I think if today's story didn't involve somebody so young and it was just another regular, if you will, high school shooting, we would. I, I don't even know if we would bring it up. And it's and and like I said, that is so, that makes me sick to say that to say that somebody bringing a gun to a school and shooting people is going to be like, oh, that's just you know that's a common story. We've done that story before. So for me, I just want to say first and foremost that it pains me to say that. But the reason why that we want to discuss this particular one and the reason why I wanted to bring attention to this one is because. Generally, and maybe I'm wrong, but generally we think this is reserved for at least high school or at least middle school. People, if you've been living under a rock, let me tell you, today's story is about a six-year-old. That's right. I said six-year-old who brought a gun to school. Oh my God, if I was going into the teacher profession, I don't know where I would be safe. I don't I, know where I could teach without being worried about having to face violence if a six-year-old 
is bringing the gun. Let, before we get into the details, Destiny, let's just talk about the age of six and what are your thoughts about a six-year-old bringing a gun to school and shooting his teacher? Yes, I want to distinguish a little bit from what you were just saying. We have definitely heard about school shootings where it involves elementary schools. Like there was just the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, and then there was the elementary school in Sandy Hook. But what differs from this situation is that in those two situations, you it involves someone coming onto the campus, an adult or someone close to being an adult, bringing a gun and shooting. This situation is different because a six-year-old bought a gun to school and shot. And that's extremely disturbing because I have shot in guns before at a shooting range. And when I tell you, it's so scary. I am 130 pounds. And when you shoot a gun, there's a significant kickback that you have with shooting a gun. I don't know what kind of gun was involved. I believe it was something like a pistol or something, but it doesn't matter how small the gun with the gun is, it takes a lot of power to shoot a gun. So for a six-year-old, I don't know how big the six-year-old is. Like these kids are different. I don't know if it's the antibiotics in the food or what, but I can't imagine a six-year-old being my size and being able to, you know, push back the safety on the gun and shoot and aim and hit a target. That is nuts, ladies and gentlemen. That is what I think of that. And and no, and that's what I'm saying. That's what really separates this case from other cases that we have in the past. And, I, and I'm glad you made the clarification. I'm not saying that, you know, we haven't had previous, you know, shootings at, you know, schools with kids this young. But for the the perpetrator to be a six-year-old just seems like something that I've certainly never heard before. And, you know, I just want to first start before I get into the details for people who are wondering. Thankfully, the teacher appears not to have died. So that's, that's positive news. But from the details available, and actually, I want to get, before we we get really into the details we do have, I want to talk about some of the details we don't have. And one of the details we don't have is the identity of the six-year-old. And maybe Destin, you can get more into the weeds of why as a minor, you know, um, why don't we don't know his name? Yes, so definitely because of his age, he is six years old. What is that, a first grade? Or maybe not even first grade, he's probably still in kindergarten and since it's this late in the school year. He's probably in kindergarten, first grade, they have to disclose his identity because he's a minor. So that's why news outlets aren't, you know, bringing this to the court. Correction, correction. They have to withhold, not disclose. They have to withhold his identity. Well, withhold it. And I see like, a, you guys know I'm very involved in comments on news sources and everything. And every, you know, our people were like, you know, if it was a little black kid, they would have already set this out here. It's probably a white kid. That's why they don't want it to be out there. We don't know who the parents are. We don't know who any of the parties are. We do know who the victim is, the teacher. But legally, that is why it isn't being put out into the public. 
And yeah, so, and I'm glad you made that distinction because you know, here on the Black Watch podcast, we are certainly not one to shy away when we think there is some racial kind of games being played on the part, especially of a police department, but a part of anybody, we are certainly the first one to pull, you know, point it out. So, but, but I think it's very important what she says. The reason why the name of the child has not been disclosed is because it is indeed a six-year-old. So regardless of if it was a, a red, black, white, green, yellow, orange child, you know, under the law, they're not supposed to disclose the name. Now, who's to say the name wouldn't have been disclosed, you know, based off of a, a slip source or based off of identifying the parents who might be subject to some, you know, legal um, ramifications and people might be unable to deduce the name by that. Who's to say what would have happened? But from a, there is a legal leg for not only the officers, but the media to stand on, on not divulging the, um, the young man's name. The person's name that we do have is the teacher. And it's the first gay teacher. Her name is Abigail Zwerner, um, Z-W-E-R-N-E-R. So however you pronounce that. And from from what I from what I've read and what I've gathered, just your average everyday teacher, she had about twenty kids and her students. She's twenty three years old, a twenty three year old teacher. Exactly. So, and, and that's very important to know. Twenty three year old teacher, and like I said, because they haven't really given uh, given a ton of details on the students, we don't really know a motive. Probably got put in timeout, but I don't want to speculate. The, to be honest with you, like you got to think about as a first grade, what could happen in first grade to make you want to shoot your teacher? Like, I don't even know if grades are serious in the first grade. Oh, I thought you meant after the fact. I think he's definitely was taken in probably by juvenile services or something. I don't think he got to go home that night and have dinner. But with really, him. at six, I wouldn't be surprised if you went home at six. I don't know, but I definitely spent some time at Juvie in the public defender's office, and they do take little kids. I don't know if I remember a six-year-old, but something is definitely going to be investigated. And that's when we talk, we're going to talk about the repercussions of his parents, because why wasn't this guy not put away and safe in the home? Why was it readily available to your six-year-old? That is an issue, and that is a very negligent situation. So I'll let you go ahead and lead into that, Larry. Okay, and and before we actually jump into that, I do want to say I did used to work at a facility, right, and uh, a mental health facility for young kids. A lot have been entangled within the legal system, and I've have heard as young as eight before having some toy some type of, you know, dealings with the law. But as far as a six-year-old, I've never heard of six, um, a six-year-old. But I, I kind of want to, to set the table for the discussion of the different types of ways that people could face repercussions for something like this, right? Now, we have two kind of sets of courts, more or less. We have um, a civil and a criminal side, right? Now, the criminal side dictates that I believe, I want to say, uh, I want to see what, what's the age of majority. It's slipping my mind, but I will have the age of majority. Under a criminal, uh, under most criminal statutes, I believe 
a six-year-old is too young to be able to face any sort of like criminal repercussions from this type of event. However, if I'm not mistaken, and I will have it um, for you, it'll come to me. Um, under tort law, so civilly, right, children can be held responsible for their torts. Now, while I know the law, I'm going to allow my cousin Destiny, the lawyer on the panel, to be able to tell you, you know, not only the standard that this six-year-old would be held to, but why they would divert from the usual standard under these set of facts. Well, I don't have clients that are six years old, so I'm not going to get on here and start lying to you guys. But in order to be punished for a crime, you have to, there's like a rehabilitation process and you have to know and understand what you did wrong. So what is in controversy here and what is not clear is whether the six-year-old knew and understood what he was doing was wrong. So that is the murky situation here. And also we're dealing with different states. This did not happen in California. I don't know what the law is as far as six-year-olds where this occurred. So we're definitely just following things, trying to see like what is going on. I think the prosecutor's office is, you know, investigating and looking at the evidence to see how else and how far they can charge the parents. I don't know if it was two parents. I don't know if it was a single parent household. There's a lot of facts that haven't been made available to the public. So these are all things that they have to do. And civilly, there definitely could be held some liability. So civil, what we've explained thousands of times before is, you know, if this teacher, I believe she's doing good and she's recovering, she's made it out of ICU and she could sue these parents or even the school district maybe even for not protecting her and that raises the question are we going to start searching five-year-olds six-year-olds seven-year-olds in school because now there's like a propensity or you know there's a history of six-year-olds bringing guns to school so that's definitely something that we're gonna have to look out for. Yeah, and, and, I, and it just came up to me and I thought about it. I think from a criminal standpoint, age, uh, I don't think it's particularly clear yet, but I think the courts have been talking between the ages of seven and 13, whether or not people have the ability to form intent. So that leads me to believe that a six-year-old will definitely fall outside of the age range that most people would understand criminally to be able to appreciate the uh, gravity of that sort of decision. So I think the likelihood that this six-year-old is charged criminally is, I would put it at 1% if that. Like, I think, you know, especially, and I don't like to, you know, make this type of caveat, especially if it's not a child of color, I, I see that it's highly unlikely, especially with the teacher not dying as well. Like, I think it's highly unlikely that the and kid- it, it actually family. matters because my experience in dealing with the juvenile system is it's more like 
like a rehabilitation, like let me straighten your kid out. And basically what the process is, is the, the DA's office, they look to see like, hey, are these parents doing a good enough job with their children? And if not, we're going to put these children in this program, which is basically like a probationary program where they involve themselves because they don't feel that parents are doing a good enough job with raising their kids. So I foresee, you know, like there's some kind of probationary period where like this kid has to do check-ins and parents have to say like, hey, here is his grades. He hasn't been written up in school, this and that and this. I don't know if he would ever be able to go back to that school. I think that this would call for expul like an expulsion, but that's pretty much what the process is. So people with kids, it is very important that you are monitoring your kids. You know what's going on. They don't get into things that they don't need to get into. And if you have guns in the house, it's very important to have your guns stored away. There's no reason no reason at all why your five-year-old, six-year-old, anything under like a teenager knows how to fire a gun because they don't need to be left home by themselves. There's no reason. And these are all things that you need to look into and be precautious of because you don't want them to get on this on this juvenile probationary road because then they meet other kids that also have like parenting issues in the home and they have behavioral issues. Your kid's gonna be around those kids. Your kid's gonna learn how to be a better criminal. And if you think that this is going to help them, I'm not a firm believer in that. I think that if anything, like it's going to make the matter worse. So I think, yeah, I think that this is a terrible situation. No, absolutely. And like I said, so you, you brought up a lot of, you know, things you talked, talked about, you know, you kind of just highlighted whether or not it was a two parent home, you know, how the gun was kept. And I think that is certainly what it's going to boil down to. Like the only people who may face anything and even they might be on the civil side, unless this particular state, which is Virginia, has, you know, criminal laws as to the way you have to maintain, you know, um, a, a firearm. I don't think Virginia does. I, I know other states that do. I don't think Virginia has a, a statute or any type of law in place that says you have to um, safe keep a gun in a certain manner. So I think the likelihood is some sort of negligence under a civil action. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not one to to really get too far into the details. I think civilly the, the uh, parents will be found to be negligent because again, if your six-year-old can not only get a gun, but bring it to school all without your knowledge and shoot their teacher, I think the very low bar that's set for your supervision has not been met. So I think what's the most likely resolution to this case is the parents are gonna be sued um, civilly, you know, probably based on their socioeconomic status. Again, we do not know who the parents are, um, but based off their socioeconomic status, they're probably going to try to look to find a way to settle the case and, you know, not having, you know, to go to court on it. And and that's probably how it's going to be resolved um, in the in the terms of, of lawyer speak or, you know, law students speak. We always say, you know, where are the deep pockets that you can find for this teacher? I don't think there is anything there are deep pockets that she can find unless, again, this this kid comes from means. So I think a lot of times 
a lay person, which is just a non-legally trained person, thinks, oh, she got shot at school. She must be liable to get all, I mean, she might be in a position to get all types of money. That's not necessarily the case. Civilly, I mean, you can only get what's there. So she could, even if she was rewarded a huge judgment, you know, the the parents can file bankruptcy or, you know, do a number of things where, or just not be able to pay it, where she'll never see, you know, the true measure of her damages. So I just think that, you know, the, understanding the distinction between what actually takes place. Because one, like I said, I don't know if much is going to happen criminally and civilly. They might just not have money. So what is actually done about it is actually in turn could be very little. Could be. I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but that could be the case. And also, I mean, we have to, you know, think about the fact that she was also at work. So, I mean, there must, there could be other ways for recovery. And then there's also other ways of liability. I know I seen an interview with a parent who was picking up her kid from school and was just, she wasn't from this country, but she had had enough. She said, the problem with this country is guns. Like there is no reason, and I agree with her, there's no reason that a six-year-old needs, should have brought a gun to school. It's, it's ridiculous. Like the thought of it is just like, what are we doing? And kids get weapons all the time. Like it was the thing back in the day that, you know, old like gangsters, like OGs, they would recruit younger kids because, you know, like the significance of whatever their crimes was less because they were a child. But six year old, I've never heard of it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, that and nobody knows what to do with a situation. Like, what is the precedent for this? And, and I just wanted to say this. What, what I mean by nothing could potentially happen, and, and that's true. There's a lot of times there's, you know, this concept called vicarious liability and all sorts of liability. I'm just saying in this particular circumstance, I don't foresee a scenario where a court's going to find, like, the school should have some sort of awareness to be, you know, pat searching uh, fucking six years old, you know, and be like, they should have some type of, you know, safety mechanism for six years old. Like, I can understand if, if this was a high school, you know, they, they might say, well, other high schools have X in place. And, and because other high schools have X in place, we should have had those type of procedures to ensure like these type of things don't happen. But when you're dealing with a six-year-old, when you're dealing with the, the first grade there's nothing that I could foresee that a court will legal like from a, a legal standpoint will say, yeah, the school didn't do X and they should have like they should have had metal detectors. They should have had pad downs. Like all the things that you would traditionally look at, there's you know, there's nothing that they can do. And for those of you out there who are, you know, smart and are, are thinking ahead, they're like, maybe she could sue the state for like their gun laws. Nope, that's not a thing either. Like there's there's certain immunities that the state would have that unless they would allow themselves, they would waive their immunity um, that you can't really sue the state either. So it's not like the teacher can sue the state of Virginia and say, well, our gun laws are so lax that it allowed a six-year-old to come and shoot me. So there's really, for me, there's nothing that I could foresee that she would be able to point to to say, hey, if this kid's parents don't have money, I should be able to collect a bazillion dollars 
from the school, the school district, the state. Like, I don't foresee a scenario where that happens. So I'm certainly praying that she recovers from her injuries and that she's, you know, she's able to hopefully go back to what she loves doing if that is teaching. But as far as her being able to, like I said, and I'm not, like I said, for all I know, this this could be the richest, you know, parents in the world and she could get all types of compensations for her injuries. I just want to, you know, use this opportunity to teach people about the difference between the criminal and civil law and say like, hey, because the it's like the perfect storm for nothing to be done. Because one, Virginia, like I said, I don't think has a particularized law on how you have to keep firearms. So the, the parents might escape uh, criminal liability. Then the the kid is six years old, and like all the things that I've ever looked at, is between the ages of seven and thirteen on whether or not kids can form, you know, a reasonable understanding of the difference between right and wrong. So at six, he's likely to escape any criminal responsibility. And then so we go on the civil side of things, and then we look. It's like, well, okay, well, where's the money? Yeah, you could get this huge judgment, but can they fulfill the judgment or will they just be able to, you know, file bankruptcy and, and kind of escape a lot of the, you know, the, the normal things that we have for a punishment on a civil side. So, like I said, and, and the reason why I want to bring that to people's attention is because a lot of people, I don't think have that understanding. And the reason why I say a lot of people don't have this understanding is because I work in a law office where so many times somebody will get in a real bad car accident and then because their injuries are serious, they think, oh, I'm going to get a billion dollars. And I'm like, well, no, the person didn't have insurance and they don't have money either. You might not get anything. And they're like, what? I've had a level four or five disc, you know, surgery that I recommended for me. And I'm like, yeah, but if they, they had an insurance company, you could get the policy limits. And here's the thing, even when they have insurance, right? And you think, wow, these insurance companies have unlimited money. A lot of times you only get what the policy's worth. If it's worth 25 grand and you got a million dollars worth of injuries, a lot of times 25,000 is all you can get. So I think it's very important to bring to people's attention that in this type of scenario, this teacher really might only get an apology. <laughs> an apology and a hug from a six-year-old that said, I'm sorry. Like that might all that she get, right, wrong, or in the middle. Those be the facts. Wow, tough world, but we'll definitely continue to monitor this because this is a developing story and it's wild and I know the people some people are desensitized to it but I just feel like this was so like shocking it's just like no one with a conscience was like this is okay it's wild but other than that the only advice that I'm going to leave the listeners with is to lock up your guns and keep your kids away from them and yeah because you might be liable. So make sure we're monitoring and watching our damn kids. Also, hide your kids, hide your wives. They shooting. They shooting. Hide, they your, hide your wives, hide your kids. Hide your guns. All right, thanks, y'all. We'll catch up with y'all next week. All right, thanks, you guys, for listening. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to our podcast. I am Destiny Johnson. I'm Larry Sampson. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we said that shit. And we meant that shit.